welcome to Therapist Spotlight. Hello everybody and welcome to Angel's Therapist Spotlight, the podcast where we aim to showcase our wonderful members to the wider community. I'm your host, Joshua Brooks, and with us today is Christos Miliankos. Christos is a naturopath, so this is going to be an excellent conversation. So Christos, how are you today? I'm very well, thanks, Joshua. Excellent. So first question, what got you into natural medicine and natural health? Well, um, that, back in 1992, I, um, I finished a science degree and then I went traveling in Japan. And while I was in Japan, I stumbled across a bookstore with lots of natural therapy books. And I just bought one and, and started reading and I just remember being glued to it. And I guess I was in the in the headspace to try new things. So I tried a lot of things in the book. I tried some fastings. I tried some, some you know, great diets and things like that. And I just remember getting more and more hooked. And I was traveling actually for about two years. So when I came back when I was 24, I really wanted to study nat- natural therapies. Um, but it, it was really difficult because, I, you know, it was... I spent all my money traveling for two years. I lived in Japan for a year. Then I went traveling in Europe and Asia. And what I did was I became a teacher. So then I started, I started becoming a teacher and a naturopath at the same time. So I studied um, at the Southern School of Natural Therapies um, in 1994. And I did that for about eight years while I actually um, worked as well to, to pay my way through college. And just loved it. I loved herbal medicine. I just devoured it. I, um, and as you can see, I'm a big herbalist. I've got lots of herbs behind me. Um, and I loved iridology, and I sort of uh, continued with that a lot after college. Yeah, so that's what got me into natural medicine. Yeah, awesome. And so did you think that that um, travelling really added a little bit of perspective and different skill sets, and how do you think that influenced your practice and the way you practice oh, now? Hugely, hugely, because um, I guess straight out of college I was kind of a bit immature and I didn't really know what I wanted um, it wasn't until I was 24 that I decided I wanted to do natural therapies, and that's my main profession. I've been, I've had a clinic for about 20 years, so um, I don't think I could have done that straight out of college for some reason. I know, I know lots of people go, go straight out of college now, straight out of high school, um, and it's great. But I, I think I just needed that personal, um, you know, just almost like finding myself. And you know, everywhere I went, I learned more and more about natural medicines. I studied a bit, bit of. I lived um, for three months in a Tibetan community and um, learned a lot about their traditional medicines after um, Japan. Um, I did, did a little bit of training in Nepal and then, and then on to Europe. So everywhere I went, I, I sort of really kind of really, really devoured their traditional medicines, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah that just sounds amazing. Like it must have broadened your mindset so much. It was a great time. Yeah, definitely. And so 20 years is a long time to be in the industry. How have you seen natural therapies change and how has it sort of changed your own practice i guess well i've seen it change a lot actually um i think it was a lot more holistic um back when i was studying mm-hmm. um now a lot of people want more things that are um you know research-based and things like that and i one of my great loves is iridology for instance and mm-hmm. i still practice that every single day i take photos of everyone's eyes and and again i keep up with the research and things that, that people want but I, I i really feel like um like sometimes we've lost some of those traditional things because I feel like the body gives us so many messages, mm. like whether it's in our fingers or in our hands or in our um, tongue. I look at like every single person that sees me, I always look at their tongue, their nails and their eyes at a minimum um, because I just, I just really find that those particular um, ways, the body just gives us clues. Mm. I mean, people love having a VLA test and love having an allergy test where they take away a report, but I really feel that... Um, Sometimes we've lost some of those 
traditional ways to assess. Definitely. And it's incredibly interesting to me. I mean, like when you talk about, oh, it's all so scientific and so clinical and all that sort of stuff, it sounds great. But if you actually realize how a trial's put together, if you actually realize how it's so narrow in terms of its variables, and there are so many variables that we're not even sure that we don't know, so how to account for that, you really do realize that, well, maybe some of these traditional ways were, you know, valid yeah. and have yeah. such a rich tapestry because they tap into that thing that we're not even sure we don't even know. Absolutely. And I, I think they're both valid. I, I think, mm -hmm. I think. I mean, I love going to, um, you know, seminars where they, you know, explain the research and everything, but um, I just think they're both valid. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And I think that, yeah, using them both together really does give us that, um, yeah, richer tapestry of finding out mm. what's going on. So if I am a client and I'm coming to you, what can I expect from a consultation? What sort of questions will you ask? What tests will you run? And what's yep. an iridology um, like look like for me? What can I expect from that for people who don't sure. know? Yeah. So originally, I mean, first of all, people come in and say hello, have a little chit chat about what brought them here and who, who mm -hmm. might have recommended them, etc. Um, they might tell me a little bit of a story there. And then I ask them about their, their, primary, is their primary issues, why they've come. And then, and then that sort of starts us into a little um, conversation. I always take people's diet. I think that's super important. Um, I, and then I start a, a little process of um, assessing. So I always look at, I, start, I generally start with their nails, look mm. at their nails, ask them if they're strong, might, might feel their, you know, to see if they've got good circulation. Then I'll look at their tongue. And the tongue is really an incredible way to assess what's happening in the gut because mm. it's actually the start of the digestive tract. So it's, it, it, we look at the tongue and see, you know, if there's any signs in the liver area or the, the gut area, et cetera. And then and all of these things aren't a diagnosis at all. They're just, they're just ways to increase the questioning. Mm -hmm. So it just drives you to the right questions. And then I, then I look in the eyes. So with the eyes, I use a, I use a camera mm -hmm. and I take a good photo and, and then I blow it up um, on, on the actual camera. If, it depends on timing. Sometimes people have a longer appointment where I put it up on the computer or I blow it up on the camera and I just um, show them different parts of their iris. First of all, I really just focus on constitution. So, I mean, by looking at the constitution of an iris, you can tell whether their best diet is a lymphatic type of diet or the best diet is like looking after their liver or a circulatory diet. So then I give them a sheet of paper about their, uh, their type of diet and we go through that. And I usually say that the eyes, um, the eyes show what they've inherited from their last three generations. So parents, grandparents and great-grandparents. And... And I say whether you manifest the best case scenario or the worst case scenario depends on how you eat, drink, think, live, and love. And mm -hmm. that's what and that's what I'm I'm there trying to help them work out what, what the best way is. And usually people say, Yeah, my dad's got this or my mum's had breast cancer and, and I usually explain that, you know, like genes really are about twenty five percent of what happens to us. Like seventy five percent is really what we do with those genes. Mm -hmm. So you know, you have to have a key to unlock the genes generally. And a lot of people do because they live like been unconsciously, you know, they sort of follow the diet of their ancestors and, you know, don't really take much notice of their of their life. And that's why some of those things may manifest. So, and usually I might say people with eyes like yours are usually related to someone who may have had some sugar issues. Do you know anyone like that? So I try to take it away from, from a, pers a personal thing for them mm. because I really want them to be, to leave my clinic in a positive way. I don't want them to think that they've got weaknesses in their pancreas. I just yeah. want them, you know, think that what they need is, is some some more balance in their sugars, or um, or living a life that they love more. 
Yeah, wow, that sounds amazing. So then how does that look like in a treatment plan? I know everybody's different with the caveat, but like, yeah, I, you said that you love herbs. So what does that look like when you're describing for people? Sure. So, so a, a lot of people um, that I see also I do a lot of VLA tests, I so mm-hmm. buy and penis analysis, mm-hmm. and I also do allergy testing a lot. So depending on their results, I'll either use herbs or homeopathy. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say someone's coming for um, for headaches, let's say. So I might, I might make them up a herbal mix for headaches. I might also add, because often it's to do with emotional issues, and I find the flaricences mixed with, well, not mixing the same bottle, but working with herbs are great. Mm. So I'll often make them up a flower essence mix. And that's generally where I start. I, I don't, I try and really start simply. I don't want them to go out with five or six or seven different products. Mm. I usually get a herb and maybe some drops, possibly some magnesium or something like that. And do you find that the, when you sort of take that simpler approach where you do sort of focus on more one thing, you get longer lasting and better results? Yeah, yeah. But, but because what, what I talked to them about is the treatment plan. Like, mm. you know, we don't want to fix everything at once because that mm-hmm. then the body goes into sort of, you know, overdrive anyway. So we might, you know, tackle their headaches. And, you know, if, that, if that's better, then, you know, we might tackle their, you know, candida issues. Or, you know, mm-hmm. often, I, often I start people with a detox mm-hmm. and say, you know, after the first month, what we'll do is we'll, de- we'll try some desensitizing to your allergies with some homeopathy. And, and, and so I try and do things in processes rather than all together. Because if yeah. you do it all together, I find that people don't want to do it all or they're overwhelmed or their body's overwhelmed. For sure, yeah. And again, especially if, you know, you do have a whole bunch of different metabolites and they get released from the fat cells, it's going to make them feel like utter garbage, yeah. which means that they'll be like, well, what am I going to you for? I yeah. feel worse. And it's like, well, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I guess stepping them through that process nice and gently yeah. can be a good way to in- ensure that they get the longest outcome. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's basically treating them like a like a whole person. It's like, you know, mm. this is what we'll do first and then we'll do this rather than, you know, everything at once or, or yeah. trying to think or trying to think that everything will resolve at once because that, I mean, a lot of these issues happen over t- over years. Mm. You know, you're not going to resolve them from two weeks of herbs. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no. Yeah. And again, there's probably stuff that's masked, hey, so like a lot of this stuff that they come in for or well, the root cause is buried somewhere right deep down. Exactly, yeah. And so it does take time to get to that and especially yeah. I I find as well with a lot of clients getting that trust so that they yeah. can open up and you can start to move through. So if you can yeah. fix or help alleviate one problem, then they trust that you know what you're doing and you're not just taking their money, which allows them to open up and you can get deeper and deeper yeah. into yeah. that discussion. Yeah. And also by looking at, I think, in someone's eye, you can tell their, their main drivers in personality-wise. So, so you can mm. tell the people that you need to actually give pieces of paper to because, you know, yep. they'll be avid readers. But there's other types who, you know, there's... Yeah. Don't worry about it. You know, they're not going to read it anyway. All they'll have lost it by the time they get to the car. Yeah, right. <laughs> so your eyes can tell you all that stuff. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you can tell a lot about personality, whether, whether mm-hmm. you've got um, lacuna or which we call them flowers in your eye or whether you've got jewels, which are, we used to call pigments in your eye. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. And so what other information can you get from iridology? What, what does it tell you and how does that, how does that work? In terms so, of like your like yeah your overall health landscape and what yeah, that, yeah what that's so, so so every single part of your iris is a reflex area to different parts of the body much like mm-hmm. the ears are or the acupuncture and things like that so um, by looking at it you can tell a lot about the predispositions so for example I've got lots of um, lacuna which are, we which we call flowers in my mm-hmm. lung area but I don't have any lung problems and I explain this sometimes to my clients just because. Um, 
because it's part of my genetic history. Like my, my brother's got cystic fibrosis oh. and my mum had a child after me who died of pneumonia. And my grandmother had um, three out of six births. She had three, only three survive. So it's part of my sort of genetic history. And it means it, I've never had inline problems, but I did fail a um, scuba diving test because I couldn't swim for 200 metres without stopping. Yeah, wow. So, again, that doesn't mean I'm sick. It just means mm. I can't do scuba diving. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and also I don't smoke. So I've, I've no, I, don't, I never feel like I've had a lung problem. I get maybe a cold every maybe five years or so. Mm. So, 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 so we, we have different areas that we need to look after. Mm. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So it sort of shows you more what you're susceptible to and what you should Absolutely. be aware of. Yeah. So take the take the correct precautions, and yeah. you won't you won't end up with a problem. Yeah, and I think with any signs or anything, we never diagnose. We just it just adds to the questions to ask. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's so amazing. And so when so people are probably a little bit wondering about this. When would you sort of more prescribe homeopathy, and when would you prescribe herbs? What what have you found is the difference between sort of when the remedies are needed, and when how do oh. you approach that? Sure. I mean, I prescribe homeopathy a lot, especially for kids. Mm-hmm. Like kids, kids won't take liquid herbs that much. My my kids often do, and my kids kind of like them. Um, but yeah, they don't take they as much. And I find sometimes homeopathy is quicker. Mm, for example, yeah, well. you know, if a kid came in with um with high fever, mm-hmm. um, belladonna will be, will get it down further than you know giving them some sort of other liquid herbs in other ways. Wow. Yeah. Cool. So I just find sometimes. It, it depends on the symptoms, but I think with respiratory issues, I might use homeopathy and herbs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But definitely for kids, I use a lot of homeopathy. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, teething. Te- I mean, if you help kids, you help the parents because they're happier. I mean, happier kids mean happier parents. So you know, like chamomilla, for instance, is one of the best remedies for teething. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Oh, amazing. And I guess this is the advantage of homeopathy too, because it's perfectly safe. Hey, so you don't, so whereas you have to be really careful with your dosages for herbs, homeopathy is probably a lot easier, especially for parents to give to their children. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, the kids love taking because they're tiny little pillules and Mm. or they can do drops. So it's, it's super easy to take. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so when you are talking to a client about their diet, so I'm guessing the eyes will tell you, like you were saying, what type of diet they would be would thrive in i suppose is the yeah. best language yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah so how do you approach that with your clients and how does that conversation normally go yeah so so let's pretend they're a blue t- blue-eyed person they they're mm-hmm. more more they're better on an emphatic type of diet so they're better without mucus forming foods so for example things like dairy and maybe some white fat products mm-hmm. um things like that it's best to avoid so yeah. i usually say i want you to decrease these because once you say to someone I want you to stop having dairy. They're going to be like, oh, but you know, like, look, that people don't like stopping anything unless they really have to. Yeah. Um, so I usually say, eighty percent of the time, I want you to do this, and I have a, I have a rule called the eighty fifteen five rule. Um, yeah. So eighty percent of the time, I want you to follow this diet. Fifteen percent of the time, if, you know, if you visit Auntie Mabel and she's made you, a, you know, a, a beautiful cake, that's don't worry about if it's gluten free or if it's got high sugar, just have it because she's probably you know, really look forward to you coming and, you know, you, you'll enjoy the time together. And 5% of the time if is kind of like their naughty time because people like to be, feel naughty. Yeah, um, sure. And, you know, if that's if it's a tiramisu and a Prosecco before you go to the movies, you know, once a month, that's not really going to make that much difference. No, yeah. definitely not. Especially so, if you've got that 80%, hey, where you like build up that internal resilience and Absolutely. 
that 5% of the time I find is so is is important for other ways it's important to enjoy life and to you know actually get out because when you become so militant you can it really does take that color out of life sometimes yeah, yeah. and i i hardly i hardly have much sugar at all but you know on saturday night because being in victoria our um in regional victoria our state opened up and you go to a restaurant and mm. i had a cocktail and a dessert because i could <laughs> i was just like yes yeah that's right <laughs> and again it's like because i know for us because i've got some food allergies so when you go out with friends it can be a little bit difficult but mm. if you can find that way of, of still engaging because sometimes i've had to not at all because allergies and that sort of stuff, but it does create a little bit of that barrier. So if I can, I'll take the one that's not going to upset me the most, but then I can still eat and everyone's a little bit happier and it just makes you happier and you can engage a little bit more. So Absolutely. by taking that 5%, yeah, yeah, it's an awesome idea, yeah. I think. Yeah, uh, and, and I kind of think rigidity isn't, I mean, it's sometimes people need to be quite rigid, but mm. I think rigidity normally is not that good a thing either. No, definitely. And I, I, I actually, from coming from an incredibly rigid stance i've now noticed that by f becoming a little bit more flexible it's actually made my body far more resilient itself right yeah um so yeah yeah, yeah. well this has been absolutely wonderful christos thank you thank so you. much for coming and sharing yourself with us um no worries my pleasure where can people find you where's your clinic located do you do zoom calls how, how does it all work in your space sure. and yeah give us those details so i'm i'm in wangaratta in northeast victoria I also um, work at uh, the Melbourne Natural Medicine Centre in North Melbourne, Melbourne. Um, I do that a few times a month. And I also teach iridology and mm -hmm. I teach bone therapy. So, and right. I do Zoom consultations, you know, all, all over the place too. Yeah. But yeah, like it, it, twice a year I teach a, a certif certification of iridology. <laughs> and I normally start a bone therapy course in Melbourne um, once a year when we're allowed to. Yeah, excellent. And what kind of clientele are you looking for? Are you looking for everybody? Are you specialising yeah. in, like you said, children? Or, yeah, what sort of clientele are you really wanting through your clientele? Yeah, you, you know, that, that kind of varies as well. Mm -hmm. I see a lot of kids, and that's probably because I've got kids as well. But as, as my kids have gotten older, I find I've seen much more teenagers. Yeah, and, wow, cool. Yeah, and, and lots of mums, like a lot of pregnant, pregnant mums. I studied a natural, medicine, a natural fertility diploma with um, Francesca Nash mm -hmm. um, back, in, back in 2001. Um, so yeah, I mean, fertility is probably my, my great love, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of allergies, a lot of, mainly a lot of kids. And I work yeah. with an amazing, work in an amazing clinic with, um, some chiropractors and an osteopath who refer to me a lot. So, and it's Fantastic. really good to be in a multidisciplinary clinic because I, my first, my first sort of, you know, pretty much 18 years, I didn't really have, I worked with someone else, but never referred to me at all. So, um, it, just to be somewhere where we're like-minded and, I mean, they're really super young. They're like 30, but, um, <laughs> but they're great. They're great. I really enjoy working here. Yeah, and I mean, that's, uh, again, like you said, it's so important because then it gives you that ability to really get your clients the help they need because we can't be everything for everybody. Exactly. There will always be gaps. So, yeah, yeah. I think referrals are so important in this industry yeah. to get that overall health landscape. And I was just talking to one of the chiropractors today, and he said that he finds that their their adjustments are holding more because they they're, they're yeah, doing well, cool. they're doing more sort of gut work and other things. Yeah, amazing. Well, thank mm -hmm. you so much, Christos. As thank always, you. guys, the links will be in the descriptions below. Please, if you're in Wangaratta and you want to contact Christos, please get in touch or for iridology tra training because again, it is a bit of a lost art at the moment, which I think is is absolutely abhorrent because it's so wonderful. So, thank, thank you so you. much for coming on. Thank you very much. Ah, oh, God bless. And for everybody else out there, have a great day and we'll catch you all next time. Hey, see ya.
Thank you for listening to Therapist Spotlight. If you would like to know more about ANTA, visit us at www.anta.com.au.